Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our master. A production of CosmicReality.com. And welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. It's March 28th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. So, um, okay there. Uh, Dolly, do you want to start with your list or do you want to go back to the conversation you guys were having before the the show started? Well, let's well, tell them. Oh, yeah, go. I didn't hear it then. Okay, let's tell them about the flax. By let's, I mean... Walt. <laughs> I was telling Dolly that uh, years ago when I was uh, studying uh, ozone therapy, uh, the moderator of the group on the internet to which I belong, ozone therapy group, was Dr. Saul Pressman. Uh, at the time, he was living and working in, uh, uh, what do you call it, in California. And besides ozone, he I learned a lot from him regarding nutrients. Like, for example, on the issue of high blood pressure, he said that blood pressure on the body is regulated by the kidneys. And it, the kidneys require a, a specific nutrient when they're when they have that when that's lacking in their in the person's diet. Uh, it the body keeps, little by little, it keeps raising the blood pressure. So he said that uh, flaxseed oil contains a, a nutrient that specifically targets the, the kidneys. So when the kidneys are well uh, fed or well maintained, it, the, blood, the blood pressure is always well regulated. So uh, uh, if, when the body is uh, missing that nutrient or, or it's in very low, very low amounts, it keeps raising the blood pressure. So he said, uh, he also spoke about, for example, uh, for, exa- uh, for example, the way uh, blood cells work, I mean, uh, cancer works, how uh, the, the cancer cells digest the sugars in the body anaerobically, meaning in the absence of oxygen. So when that's why when there's oxygen missing in the body, the first thing the you you get is cancer cells because they need the absence of oxygen. They don't they they oxygen uh, cancer cells cannot thrive in an oxygen rich environment in, in a in a body that that has well as uh, breathes correctly and normally. So uh, he said that it, it the body get needs oxygen in order to deal. Yeah, with the cancer cells, cancer cells cannot survive in an oxygen-rich environment. So that, like things like that. So I learned a lot from him regarding the the issue of uh, of nutrients. And so I was I was telling Dolly how years ago I learned about uh, the uh, flaxseed oil, how important it is. So like for example, 
Uh, he said he always uh, he suggested that the flaxseed oil one when it's purchased should always be kept in the fridge, uh, refrigerated. Uh, I don't know why that that is. I I I, I, I take uh, flaxseed oil in capsules. So when you when you get like for for example the omega, it uh, it has uh, several oils. It has flaxseed oil and uh, fish uh, fish oil. So that that's what's important for for uh, keeping the blood pressure regulated. Uh, I was telling that Dolly that besides the flaxseed oil, the on the on the omega com combo, I take daily. I take uh, 800 milligrams of the magnesium because magnesium lowers blood pressure. Uh, for example, the uh, the copper that we the other day we were talking on the show, the importance of taking copper. Copper regulates blood pressure. It lowers the blood pressure. And it also, one of the problems that I had when I was taken to the hospital is I had this ex excess of, I had calcification on my right leg, on my left leg. And it turns out that when you have the uh, copper in your body, it copper actually moves uh, calcium from the soft tissues to the bones. So it actually puts the calcium where it's supposed to be. Uh, for example, uh, I take a hawthorn berry capsules because hawthorn berry not only does it heal the tissues of the heart, the first thing it does, it lowers your blood pressure. So all in all, my, all the nutrients that I'm taking have one way or another, they have an impact on the regulating the blood pressure because you don't want to, you know, you don't want lowering the blood pressure willy nilly because you don't know what your body wants sometimes for for example, Nancy's normal blood pressure is non-existent. <laughs> so you can hurt her if you give her something that will raise her blood pressure. That's not natural for her. So that's that's another thing that uh, about the uh, inst the what do you call it the insti institutional med uh, med medicine that they think that human beings are all like, made like cars. If you have this model, you're supposed to have these parameters. If you have this other model, you're like, but no, no, that's not that's not the way humans are not made like cars. Maybe it's normal for you to have 120 over 20 or over 40. Maybe that's normal for you, but that's not normal for somebody else. Somebody else, maybe you give them that 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 you lower the, your blood pressure to that, and they'll faint because the the body is used to a different regimen to uh, when it comes to the blood pressure. So I I, I don't believe in, in medicine, and I remember my my father suffered from that from a hypertension, and he could take ten times the medication dosage, and no effect whatsoever. It did nothing for him. So it's like. You here you're addicted to all this medicine that's actually impacting your body negatively and it doesn't do anything for you. So that's it. That's the uh that was, that was the sum total of uh, the story this morning. <laughs> well you just reminded me that I heard I saw uh, a news blurb about the uh, shortage on cancer drugs. There's, they can't get cancer drugs. You know, I mean, everything comes from China. <clears throat> so. Cancer drugs are actually bad for you because cancer drugs are based, the, the principle is very basic. Let's poison the entire body and we'll take bets who lives, either the tumor or the person. 
why don't they treat the tumor, not the person? I mean, that's the, that's the, the principle behind Rife therapy. You're actually attacking the tumor, not the person. You're getting rid of the tissue that's actually negative, counter, counterproductive tissue. The healthy tissue remains inactive. I mean, it, it re, remains un, unaffected. But when you do, like, for example, chemotherapy, chemotherapy is based on let's poison the entire body and let's see who lives. It's like being in a, in a casino. You're taking bets, okay, is, you know, who's going to survive, the patient, patient or the tumor? You know, this is insane. That that's what passes for medicine, modern day medicine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, we've got a long way to go. Well, we don't, but um, there's a long way to go for those people that believe in the pharmaceutical world of medicine. And it, it's so interesting because this whole thing with the pandemic. The good part of it is people have begun to question, you know, established medicine. You know, so now there's an opening for people to come to a, a grips with the fact that it's it's energy. I'm surprised that the that the uh, mainstream media is actually broaching the subject. Like I, I saw the the title of an, of a printed article that says where the where we. Were we wrong when, <laughs> when we you know, were we wrong when we assumed that the uh, uh, the COVID test was accurate? Well, what do you think? Where where people that are not even tested are showing up as positive? They haven't put anything on your mouth, and already you're positive. Mm, I I think you should be suspicious. <laughs> you think? <laughs> there was so there was so much of that that was wrong, and again. When it was going down, if you think back, we weren't buying into it, but there wasn't a real way of arguing it. We just knew intuitively this is all BS, every part of it's BS. But now the amount of information that they've got proving everything is, um, is just really astounding. Now the problem is making it so that it's presented in the right way through the court systems but the court systems are so perverse and and, you know not doing what they're supposed to do so we're still in a battle of trying to get the truth out even though it's obvious i mean well this is off the track but the guy that was one of the group of people that released the Twitter files uh, concerning the uh, collusion between the government and Twitter. His name, <clears throat> his name is Scott Tabby. I believe it's Scott Tabby. T a b b i. They just released the information that while this guy was sitting in front of Congress, telling about how. They were just looking at the the emails. They had, they hadn't put anything in there except the emails, and it was it was very frightening to see the collusion between these two entities. While he was testifying in, in front of Congress, his home was uh, raided by the IRS. 
Now, now that that that's so. I mean, we know no significant uh, synchronicities, coincidence. It's thought and action. These fools actually sent the IRS against Tabby, who was basically doing the bidding of Musk to release all of this damaging information. So, so it's like the the story, the pantomime, the craziness is getting even more so. Does anybody out there think that that wasn't some kind of a, well, if it was a black hat operation to threaten anybody else, Tabby himself, but anybody else that's wanting to do this? But were they threatening to arrest them for something? Tax evasion? What? what, what he was didn't even owe them. They owed him. And they went oh. into his house. They owed him? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. That's a in-your-face, we're threatening you. Well, I can tell you guys, because I've said it before, that for, I don't know, four or five years, ever since I started with the Shungite, um, I've been investigated by the IRS. They never, it's never clean. They have to, they have, and it's always random. We're having a random review of your documents, you know. And <laughs> a, a random accident that's been or orchestrated, <laughs> or, <laughs> an organized you know, random random test. <laughs> okay, okay, whatever. You know, it's like, please. So yeah, but but I, I didn't mean to get us off on on that tangent, but it reminded me, you know, of just how difficult it is for us to get the truth out there because. It, even if you're speaking the truth, they don't give a crap. They just go after you anyway. So uh, it, it it looks terrible still, but it's not because now we know that there's more and more people awakening to this whole thing. And one of them was um, Greg Gutfeld today when they were talking about this IRS thing. And I I'm paraphrasing him very badly, but he basically said. This is a corrupt organization, and the people that are in it should go to prison. And he said a few other things, very pertinent things about, you know, the IRS. And he said, and I've put it out there, so now if I get investigated or audited, you know it's it's just another example of who and what they are. But he flat out said it, you know. And um, so there's more and more, not that, I mean, not the crazy Democratic stations the Soros they'll find out Soros is behind them too um, you know those people no but yeah it's getting out there so um, okay now I, I do have a really serious question I wanted to ask you about this ozone therapy Walt yeah Be because oh, uh, can you <laughs> hold that thought just a minute Walt do you take that flax oil seed in the morning or at night no, in the morning when I when I have my breakfast, I have all the nutrients. Okay, that's all I needed. Thanks, mm -hmm. Nancy. Okay, but this is there. This is very important, and you interrupted me, Doctor. <laughs> well, I need to be strung up by my thumbs. <laughs> I well, you, you're gonna you are gonna find out why in a second here. Okay, <laughs> so ozone therapy. Well, last night on the five. 
or maybe it was Gutfeld. I'm not sure now. Oh no, it was Gut. It was definitely Gus Gutfeld. They did a piece. They showed a video of Gwyneth pa uh, Paltrow being asked the question: Did she do any kind of um, very odd health therapies? I don't know why the question was asked, but it was asked, and she says. Well, um, yes, actually, um, probably the weirdest is doing ozone therapy rectally. Yeah. In other words, she's it's, pumping ozone up her rectum. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the modalities, especially uh, for men, because it actually targets the, uh, the prostate. Yeah, it is. It is a known modality. It has to be done correctly, otherwise you'll inflate yourself like a giant balloon. So is she saying she has a prostrate? No, I'm just. It, I'm saying it, it. It has lots of benefits because of the areas of the body that are targeted. But one of the things that she's not saying, for example, the flows. It's something. It's so minute. It's like one sixteenth of a liter. It's such a it's such a trickle of gas. It would take an hour for it, you to feel any pressure inside because the, what matters is just it's just a very minute amount of gas. And ozone, because it is pure oxygen, it goes through the tissues immediately. When you if you inflate your lungs, think about it. Atmosphere of the planet is seventy percent or more nitrogen. But when you're doing ozone, it's 100% oxygen. You have, the ozone has to be done with an oxygen concentrator or bottled oxygen. You can't have any, you can't have any, any nitrogen when you're doing the, the, the therapy. So it goes, into the, it goes through the tissues immediately. Immediately it goes through the tissues and that, that's why it's so beneficial because it targets everything like toxins, uh, contaminants, of microorganisms, uh, everything. It, it, it's, uh, for example, it, the reason it's so effective against cancer cells is unlike healthy cells. Okay, when, you remember uh, biology in school when they taught us the, uh, the structure of, uh, of a cell, a human cell, for example. When you look at the structure of a cell, the, 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 the cell, the what do you call it? It's like a it's it's like a bag, right? It's like a bag full of full, full of fluid. The membrane of a cell is made up of proteins and lipids. Lipids are fat. Okay. Cancer cells don't have those 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 lipids. Ha cancer cells have no protection against oxygen. So they are the first ones to be targeted and, and destroyed by uh, oxygen because they, they have no protection. In fact, have you seen or heard, like for example, uh, uh, breast cancer doctors, doctors that specialize in breast cancer, you know, treating the ladies and all kinds of cancer. One of the things they do when they're, for example, let's say they're analyzing, they, there's a lump on somebody's breast and they're analyzing it. The, what is the first thing they do? The first things that they do is they look for the appearance of little calculus around the area of the lump, where the, they, they are suspecting that this is some kind of tumor. Why? Why are there little calculus of, of calcium? Why? Because calcium is like a magnet that attracts oxygen. So 
cancer cells push calcium away from the tissues so they don't get hit with oxygen. So that's a telltale sign that that, that tumor is cancerous because it's rejecting the, the oxygen. So cancer cells don't, uh, don't have a, a defense against oxygen. So the, if, you, if you apply cancer, um, if you do cancer, I mean, oxygen therapy, oxy, ozone therapy, oxygen therapy, it, uh, it kills uh, cancer cells immediately. I mean, I, when, I had, uh, when I made the, the, my first ozone machine back in New York, I treated, uh, my mother rescued a pigeon from the street. The poor creature couldn't, for some reason, we, we couldn't determine what was going on because she couldn't, she, her, her uh, wings were normal. There was no, there was no, there weren't any wounds. They weren't damaged in any way, but she couldn't flap. She couldn't, uh, and then we we were touching it, and we noticed a lump on her back. So I started. We started applying uh, the ozone every day, twice a day. We applied ozone, and some some something very strange happened. The skin on her back opened up. It was almost like a miniature sphincter, and it underneath the skin. The mass of the matter it, that came out was like a, it was like a lump of wax. It was kind of stiff. It, it, it reminded me of the texture of cork. And then my mom took it out and then we continued applying ozone. And then the next strange thing is that the skin closed by itself. That little sphincter thing just shrunk up and it, and, it, and it closed up. We didn't need to sew her or anything or put anything to close the thing. The skin closed by herself. So the the pigeon was it little by little. She started flying in again and she recovered the their ability to fly. And then one of the cats, she came down with a lump on on her chest. Same thing. We started applying the ozone and. The same thing happened as the pigeon. the The skin opened up. It generated like a like a small opening, like a, almost like a miniature sphincter, and the uh, the tissue inside actually was coming out. It was like a gray gray colored pus. And then I, I wrote to Dr. Pressman about it, and he says, "Oh, that's that's excellent. That means that the uh, the tumor is dissolving." Because the cancer cells dissolve under in the presence of oxygen, they they can't tolerate oxygen. So that's that's why that was that was. How oxygen. were you applying this oxygen therapy? What were you using it? I was using an oxygen concentrator because oxygen cancer concentrators, uh, they're designed to to be kept on 24/7. These oxygen concentrators are all sold for people that are oxygen dependent. So it's it's like it has a little compressor inside, and it has these. Uh, I think the material is called kaolite. It's a, it's a special kind of material that's put in these canisters, and air gets pumped in, and it gets separated, and you get the uh, nitrogen on one side and the oxygen on the other side. So you're you're picking up the oxygen, and that's what you're you're feeding from, that's what you're getting in the output. And you can regulate how much, uh, how much of a flow do you want? Uh, half, a, half a liter, one liter, liter and a half. You, you regulate the amount of 
the volume of oxygen. So, so it's a, it's in a, in a in a gas form, and you're just forcing. When I'm out. using, I what I use a, a I either a funnel or a, some other kind of cup with a with a little uh, nipple so that you can connect the uh, the hose. So that then you, what you're doing is you're cupping the uh, the ozone to the affected area. And like I said, because ozone penetrates the skin immediately, uh, ozone is heavier than air. Uh, it penetrates the skin, and, and that's that, that's what you use. But you can't do it with regular ambient air. That smell that you smelled when somebody says, "Oh, it smells like ozone." No, that's not ozone. That's the smell of uh, nitrous oxide. That's the uh, the uh, what do you call the oxygen the oxide of nitrogen, and and it makes it gives us that smell. When you use pure oxygen to do ozone, there's no smell at all. Instead of smell, you, you feel like a sensation. You feel like if you're breathing in ozone through your uh, nose, the sensation you'll feel in your nostrils. You know when you, when you breathe in the smell of uh, chlorine, that sensation you feel in your nostrils, kind of like a caustic sensation, like sharp, kind of rough kind of a sensation. That's that's what you feel. It, 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 there's no smell. There's more of a sensation than a smell. Well, I think if you're smelling that like you're, you're describing, that you're getting too much of it. Well, you're not supposed to breathe it. I mean, okay. uh, that's not... Yeah, it's not, that's it's not, not the idea behind <laughs> this is what I'm no, trying you don't to... Need to you don't need to breathe in fact, if you have, for example, let's say you have emphysema or some um, uh, lung condition, like uh, you can have, you can, let's say you have a lung tumor and you want to breathe into the ozone, you can. But what you have to do is you have to get a bubbler, like a, you know, a bubbler stone, like they use in fish tanks. And what you're doing is you're bubbling ozone through olive oil. And the olive oil actually changes the chemistry of the ozone. It turns into an ozonite, so you can actually breathe the uh, the ozone, and it and it doesn't irritate your lungs, because the, Dr. Pressman is claiming that the lungs are very sensitive, because the uh, the alveolar, you know those little bags inside the lungs, it looks it, they look it, when you look at the picture of it, it looks all like a bunch of grapes, they're little tiny bags. That are covered with uh, uh, with uh, blood vessels, and that's where you have the exchange. That's why you oxygen goes in on on the night uh, the uh, what do you call it the the, the carbon dioxide uh, and the uh, the carbon dioxide comes out and oxygen goes in. So what happens is the alveolar walls are extremely thin. They're only one cell thick. That's how thin they are. So that's if you try, if you breathe in pure uh, ozone, it's a, a, a ozone reacts with all the crap that we have in our lungs, especially if you're a smoker or something or something. Else. So you you get this irritating effect. It it it's irritating and it bothers you. So. When you bubble the ozone through olive oil, 
it changes the uh, the makeup. It, 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 he called it an ozonide. He gave he gave the formulas like carbon, ca carbon, oxygen, nitrogen. I don't remember what the the full makeup of, of the thing is. But the the be the beautiful thing is that it, it actually heals the inside of your lungs. I mean, I've I've had a in the past when I've had terrible cough or some other kind of uh, let's say congestive congestive issues in the in the lungs, you breathe the, the uh, ozonated olive oil and it's it's amazing. It you only need to do it once or twice at the most and and it heals your lungs right away. Can you spell this guy's last name, Doctor? What? Uh, let's hope he's alive. His his name is Saul. Let me look it up. Saul, S-A-U-L. Let's see. Pressman. Of course, there's probably people that have worked off of his work already. Yeah. Here's, a, here's, here's, here's an article written by him. Uh, he's on one radio network, Healing Modalities. Dr. Saul Pressman, how to use ozone therapy. Okay. Yeah, let me give you this link. Cool. Thank uh, you. You're okay. <clears throat> I just want to be able to provide whatever information we have on this. Not that you should be mucking around, not that we're medical people. We're just people talking about stuff that you should do more research into. <laughs> <laughs> we're sci-fi people. Yep. We tell stories. You never know when we're telling you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because we don't know anymore. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, why don't we talk about Fetterman? Okay, so Fetterman got, he is the senator of Pennsylvania. And he is a very tall, gawky-looking individual. And he he likes to wear shorts and... Uh, sweatshirts with hoodies on. And he has had strokes. He had a really bad stroke. And he had trouble walking. He couldn't put words together. He didn't understand words that were said to him. But the Democrats pushed him into the senatorship stuff. Well, um, he... He admitted himself into a hospital for depression because he was very depressed, supposedly. And since then, we haven't really seen him that I know of. But there, there is a guy, uh, and I put two... Uh, what do you call it? sites that you can go to? First site is Fetterman, uh, standing next to what looks to be a younger uh, double of him. And so I was thinking, well, here you go. They they doubled him so they can put him back into the Senate because they seem to really want him in there badly. But then the second um, uh a site that I posted in there is a man who is showing how he thinks 
that that is Fetterman. I uh that they probably did operations on him and stuff. So you can come to your own conclusion whether Fetterman is completely bonkers in the hospital or or he had another stroke and passed away or and they made a double of him or if that is him made to look younger, I don't see how it could be. Uh, with all the issues he's had with strokes and the bad things strokes do to people. So uh, I wanted to let you all know that because I believe I just have a feeling that Fetterman is going to be coming into view. Uh, uh, not in the past, the opposite of that. Coming up. In the future? Yes, soon in the future. Thank you. Jeez, talk about losing words. Um, so I wanted to share that with you. There was another thing I wanted to. Oh, oh, we can go into that when we're ready. <laughs> so is this person is this person still a senator or has been retired? Oh no, he's still a senator, as far as everybody knows. Uh, they want him to be a senator. They want to use him in some way. I haven't figured out what way or why. So He only started in January. Yeah. He's brand and he, new. And he's disabled? Like, like, he can't, like you said, he can't speak normally or communicate normally? Yes. Um, when, he, when he was running for the office, they allowed him to have... Uh, like my nook, a little thing like that, a tablet, so that they could type what the person said, and then they also would type his answer, his response, which just was not right in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but they allowed it because they wanted Fetterman to be in. And you know how they rigged the uh, election, so they could get him through the... Uh, uh, so they wanted somebody that could vote the way they want? Yes. That's it. That's it. Yeah. They okay. wanted a puppet, yes. Uh-huh. So, so they pushed him through, yeah. <laughs> so if you're a puppet, you can get a job as a senator. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If he, if he wasn't there, there would be somebody that replaced him, and I'm not sure how that works in Pennsylvania. But obviously, even if it's a Democrat, they may not be able to control him like they can Fetterman, because Fetterman's not really there. No, Fetterman, that last stroke did him in. I saw where even his wife left him. When, when he admitted himself, supposedly, in the hospital for depression. Now, that could be true, because after I had a couple strokes, I had many strokes, I got depressed. I got really, really depressed after uh, the one before the last one. So it could be true he got depressed, but he didn't have his mental faculties in the first place. So I'm wondering, did they just, because 
did he have another stroke and he got brain dead permanently or die? Uh, and they just have mucked around with doing a double on him. But the the second video that I posted, the guy was showing how he thinks it's Fetterman himself. I just, I don't understand how it could be. So I leave it up to your discretion, what you want to believe. But I wanted to share that with you. I'm done on Fetterman. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have another thing on your list? Oh, do I have things? Oh, yeah. Go Hold on. Um, I got to get into. Oh, I wanted to tell you, Nancy, that was not the real Trump on Hannity. Not at all. His mouth was wrong. His ears were wrong. Um, uh what else was his well, it, was, it wasn't the same Trump that's been there before. Because oh. it was it was the way that his eyes were working. Yeah. The, yeah, I saw that. It was like there was a real person there trying to understand the question and then think about the answer. Because yeah. he had a tendency to look to the right. Mm. And the guy that's normally there just dead on staring. You don't see that eye twickering. That wasn't the real Trump. And his his eyelashes were so much different. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And and Hannity was a real. Donkey. I just tune him out when he talks. I don't hear what he says. Oh my I just. Gosh. Watch. No. I I I I I I I I I saved the freaking world. Boy, I cleaned that up. Um, like Jesse Waters. He wrote that book, How I Saved the World. Well, Hannity tells you how he saved the world every time you see him. He doesn't want you to go without knowing that he did that. I can't handle him. I just, I can't handle him. But, uh, okay, so I'm done with Trump. Uh, and I want to tell y'all... Um. Now, this might shock people. I mean, it might shock y'all right to, right? It might just shock your britches off of you. We have had, let me copy and paste this. This is about Australia's capital city. I'm going to ask, uh, who do you all? What city do you all think is the capital of Australia? I want Trick to question. Yes. <laughs> It'd be nice to ask uh, Ricardo Cossi, right? Huh? Well, you know, the, this gentleman that we follow, uh, me, me and Nancy, Ricardo Cossi, who's uh, working uh, for the... Uh, Australia won political party. It'd be interesting to ask him, right? What is his? What is the president? What is the capital of his country? Well, I, if you I, had to guess, what would you say, Walter? Yes, <laughs> I think I'm, he's going to say whatever is now being accepted as the actual. You know, now they're saying that the capital was founded in 1913. 
he might go with that unless he uh, his memory agrees with ours. Oh, so you think it's Sydney? Yeah, because hey, I wanted you to say that. <laughs> yeah, we could have. Yeah, Jeez. we could. Jeez. Oh, man. He goes all the way around the bar. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but at least he gets there. Yeah, yeah. He takes the so, scenic so. route. Oh, I'm echoing. Oh, 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 darn it, darn it. Um, um. Oh, shit. Should I just Should go I just... ahead and talk? Oh, there. Yes, Dolly, Dolly, when you say that, I mute myself, then you don't have the echo, so just keep talking, okay? Oh, oh, okay. All right, so, y'all, we have been through something like Mandela Effect, or or we've been time-traveled and not told, or uh, I don't know what it is, but something happened. Happened in January. I swear it happened January 15 because that is the day I woke up after my uh, bad case of Meniere's disease, which is vertigo. I didn't have that anymore, and I also did not have the chest pain that I have been suffering 24 7 for the last 20 years. I haven't had chest pain since that day. And then, on, and things were wonky. And remember how everybody, everybody's going through bouts of they're so tired they can't stay awake, they can't get up, they, they have to lay down because that's, they get so tired they have to lay down. And I went through that. Other people are going through that. Um, I think that's part of us getting adjusted to this new place we are, time we are, time and place, even though there's no time. Um, and there's, wait, where was I? Hold on, I got to look at my nose. People exhausted. Um, and I've noticed things since March 15th. Um, I got over my constant exhaustion on March 15th, and I started to notice things. I was washing my hands, and I looked up at in the mirror at myself, and I couldn't believe it. I had to take another look. My hairs have grown. I mean, they grew from the bottom of my ear to uh, just below my shoulders. My hairs grew overnight, like, since March 15th. And and I noticed that the ants that we, little tiny ants that we used to get in, in the back house area, my bathroom and uh, the kids' bathroom, they're gone too. We have been battling those freaking ants for three years. Uh, and the uh, the pest people, bless their hearts, they've been battling it for us, with us, and they'll, they're gone. There's not even one. They're gone. And uh, what else has happened that I noticed? Oh, yeah, we got some neighbors across the street that had moved in, and they 
they were a young couple and they had a couple kids and they had a boat they parked beside their truck their uh, a boat and a truck they parked beside their uh, garage well like just recently there is now the boat's gone the people are gone and there's a policeman who's living there with his wife and they didn't there have been no moving trucks like to move the people out to move the policeman and his family in no moving trucks none and they're there and the other people are gone i noticed that and teleportation technology then holy criminy world it's I just, I'm in shock over this stuff. Well, ask him how long he's lived there. How long does he think he's lived there? Oh, I didn't, I didn't make friends with him. Russell did. I'll have Russell ask him. Because I, I can't get out and walk across the street. Use your teleporter. Teleport to the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had Big deal. Yeah. I really wish I had one. But so I've been noticing these different things and I wanted to bring this up to y'all in case you start to notice, oh hey, where'd that come from? When did that come? What's going on? Uh, and there's this guy. Oh, do I have him? There is oh I know where I can get that. I wanna post to you this guy who tells about it he found out about it in january like january 25th 28th something like that i gotta get this moved over what here. did he find out huh what did he find out that we had we've been through uh men mandela effect Della. yeah Hold on, I'm trying to find it. Hold on. And you have to go to um, the top right corner to unmute him. Let me open him up. Uh, I get this. There were some references that I did not understand, like the reference to Britney Spears. I don't, I don't know what it is that he's. Since I never followed her career, I really don't know what he's talking about. I got it. I captured it. Here's this guy. Copy paste. And don't forget, you have to go to the right top hand corner where the mute, he's muted and unmute that in order to hear. And it's a very short video, like. What was it? Three minutes, something like that. So, I wanted to share that with y'all and see if the chatters here have anything that they have noticed that y'all can share with us. In the, I, I wish the uh, I I do I totally believe in these and uh, this uh, Mandela effect, but uh, I just wish there would be a, a more dramatic Mandela effect. You know, like for example. One day you wake up and there's no such thing as the IRS. In fact, you mention it to your neighbor about the IRS and they say, IRS, what? You know, so that that I would love. I would totally love to wake up one morning to that Mandela effect. <laughs> Not something as insignificant as Britney Spears. Who cares? 
<laughs> some people do. I know, but some people. Do. But I remember Biden. what he said. Oh, sorry. How about Biden? Who? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yes, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I thought we'd have more discussion on that. I guess not. We're going to run short. Well, the Mandela effect is, um, I'll tell you, the, the first time I ever noticed it was in going to the Bible. This is long before anybody talked about the Mandela effect. I went to the Bible, the St. Uh, uh, what is it, King James uh, Version, and went to the last paragraph in Revelations because I knew what it had said because I had had a whole experience based on it. And when I looked at it, it wasn't what I remembered. And I remember thinking, how could that possibly be? I know it was this version. Why would, you know, it was very perplexing, but I was so sure of what I, I knew, you know. But again, it wasn't the Mandela effect being even talked about. Then I was working on the book Cosmic Reality, and... I was explaining being in a, uh, well, it was actually Boot Hill in Tombstone, Arizona. And I went there when I was in the military, not far from there. And we went in, and I got this weird sensation. I, I, was, I was so tired. I just wanted to go home, take a nap. But I get this weird sensation, and I turn, and I look, and I'm at the foot of a grave. And the grave said that... Charlie Charlie Smith it was uh, had been killed by this guy Luke Short that I knew by that time that I had had a previous lifetime as Luke Short, so it became a critical teaching in my life. And then when I'm doing the the book, I'd already written about it. I just went for the photograph, and I had a Polaroid. The only the only picture that came out that day was that Polaroid in that, in the tombstone area, in the, the graveyard. I'd taken some other pictures, but the Polaroid didn't, wouldn't take them. They only took this one. And then, you know, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, like my mind is going like, this cannot possibly be. Could not possibly be. Because instead of it saying Charlie Smith and the date of his death and that, you know, he'd been killed by Luke Short... It said John Heath, it was John Heath's grave. And John Heath was the guy that actually killed Luke Short. But it was like a photograph had changed. I know that's kind of complicated, but you don't have to remember the circumstances. Just that a photograph had been changed. And that, again, before I ever heard of the Mandela thing. So, Dolly, what do you think it is? Because, I mean, the... The Bible's been changed. I know. Well, that was before this Mandela effect. I didn't even think to check on that and see if it was changed back. Uh, wasn't wasn't Colleen involved at the time? The Colleen, the radio producer. I think so. Where she said, you know, she, she had uh, this Bible that was goes went back to her grandmother or great. Oh, that was me. Oh, that was you. Yeah. That yeah. talked about the the lamb and the lion. Now it changed. 
It's not the, the lamb broth anymore. We laid with the lion. Yeah. 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 It was completely it, wrong. It, it goes to show that our, our consciousness, our soul, are outside of time because otherwise we, we would have no recollection that everything would be normal. If we are able to see the difference, it means that we are, our consciousness is able to, is existing outside of time because we're not affected. Here we have a huge change in time, but we're aware of it. If we were, if we were temporal creatures existing in time, we never would notice nothing, everything would be normal. We've never noticed those differences. But we're not. We're not bound in time. Evidently not. Because we have memories of both. Yeah. But if if we is that all that changed? I mean it, I don't know how to how to say it? Is is there more that changed, and what is it? I'd like to know that. You mean we may just be seeing um, glimpses of it, but there might be massive changes that we're not aware of. Yes, like like, like Australia's capital. It is not Sydney anymore. It's Canberra. And never. I posted, I never heard of it either, Nancy. And then I found out about it. And that night I'm watching uh, International House Hunters. What city and country do you think they got on the TV? Canberra. The people were moving to the capital of Australia in Canberra. Is it against your religion to ask the posse? Oh. Well, I didn't think about that. What is she supposed to ask him? Yeah. Have, have we moved to a better reality? Because I don't care how what the changes are or how much or how little, but are we moving in a positive direction, like a, a little bit better than it was yesterday, or are we moving in a worse direction? <laughs> that would nice, be nice to know. Are we moving in the right direction? <laughs> I'm asking. I got to gather them. <laughs> I got to get them here. Oh, they're busy elsewhere, huh? Yeah, hold on. Uh, well, they didn't, they didn't count on coming. <laughs> Yasmin says, that's poo-poo. Poop, poop. The capital of Australia has always been Sydney. Did I not post... Where it says, here it is. I post this. Hold on. Uh, so you can go there and look at it. And see, I'm not lying to you. That's what they're telling us. Uh, oops, that's the wrong joint. Oh, see. Here we go. Here it is, Yasmin. Uh, paste. Okay, um. Where were Oh, the posse. Um, posse, do you want to come here? Dave, do you want to come? <laughs> Dave says, I might show up a little later. He's busy right now. Okay. P 
posse is coming. They're gathering. Popcorn group is gathering. Uh, are we getting the new improved posse, or are we getting the pro the posse that you had yesterday? The posse says they're always with me. They don't change, no matter where in time we go. Um, yes, the posse is saying yes, things have changed. They cannot tell me how, but yes, things have changed. Uh, they have improved for those of us like us here at Cosmic Reality chat room, the listeners, the us, they have definitely moved forward is the words they want to so use. So things are looking up the way we want them to look up. Right. Yes. And they're proud that we, that uh, Russell found that Canberra and noticed and then we all got to looking around and trying to find out what's going on here. <laughs> um, and they need it for everybody who hears it. They need us to share the information, of course, um, because it will help us in ascension process. And the... The popcorn group's getting a kick out of people still think Australia's capital is Sydney and not Canberra because it's so recent. The change was in uh, they're 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 getting a kick out of that new situation. Um the posse is being empathetic with me because that put me into a state of shock. I When Russell said, Mom, Annette, who, what do you think is the capital of Australia? Well, we say Sydney. And uh, he says, no, you're wrong. And then we had the big discussion. <laughs> and it so just, did, did, did Russell remember... Sydney? Uh, yes. We all did, yes. Oh, okay. So that means that you are the newcomers. You are the newcomers into this reality. You yes. weren't already here. <laughs> right. So whoever does not remember Sydney, they were already here. <laughs> I, I think that's how I answer. I don't know, Walt. <laughs> I don't. I'm so confused. If you have I mean, no memory at all of Sydney, that means that you were already here. <laughs> or you weren't paying attention. Yeah, or yeah. All sorts of reasons. Never went uh, to school. Right. <laughs> well, never studied countries and their capitals. Um, where are we at, you guys? Um, we will that. be noticing... Other changes, and they say, don't be surprised, don't be shocked, but you can do your due, dilig due diligence, um, do your own research, because it'll be so different, drastic different, that 
in order to believe the new, you'll have to do research on it and find out for yourselves. And they're glad that we finally got this far. So... That's do you want, do you want to take a, a break here and um, yeah, come back? Okay. Uh, oh, I'm just going to play the Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Four minutes. And welcome back to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. So you guys are back, I'm assuming. Yes. Hello. Hello. Mm-hmm. I'm back. Yes. All right, I wanted to comment on the the recent Mandela change. Well, let me, let me step back. Everybody that has listened to me for you know ages now in the 1990s. Well, it was it was actually um, uh, the 2000. It was the Christmas of 2000. I went from a timeline that was one of ascension, I think because of all the things that were happening indicating that we were coming together as a, as a people all over the place and you know some amazing things were happening and I'm always going to miss Christia coming slack because she was the only other person I know that absolutely could understand that yes there was a, a timeline change so we can't went from that over to this really dark and um, tragic place now, it's not like I didn't have the John Kennedy things on the other one, and a lot of the history was the same, but the what was happening at that time was different. The There seemed to be more good. There seemed to be more talk. There seemed to be more progression into thoughts and, and you know, experiences that we really didn't have as much of, you know, before, like UFOs, like Courses of Miracles, like enterology, uh, you know, minerals, crystals, all of that was was really, and of course it was partially because I was involved with a group of people that that's what we were doing. However, I, I, I made a timeline shift, okay? So I know what a timeline shift is. Absolutely know the feeling of it, the, the disorientation, and yet the feeling, no, this is right, I'm in the right spot, I've been here before, because there's so many similarities between each timeline. But there's subtle differences, in some case kind of like stark differences, because I couldn't imagine the evil uh, perpetuated in the timeline we're on, and specifically the 9-11 attacks for just, you know, the biggest one at the time. But we have a, a situation where all these timelines are very, very similar. So when you see something like Dolly's trying to explain, you really have to look at, uh, let's say, the, the scope of what you're looking at. You have to look at it a little bit more than your normal going through reality because you think that's, you know, where you've been. And not realizing, not putting, picking up on the subtleties that, no, something's changed. And I had to laugh when you were talking about this to myself because I had been thinking about the change, this massive change that's actually come over me because of the porch. We're going to talk about the porch. Because when I was in the 90s, I virtually rebuilt this house from the inside out. 
I was always building. I was always creating something new. It was it was part of me. If I wasn't building something 3D-wise, expanding the house, it was building energy devices, but building, building, building. And I think it was because I had a firm conviction that we had a future. You know, this was this we were going to some marvelous place and whatever I the building was was cathartic and also a, a symbolic representation of what I think was happening in and around me on that reality. So when I started getting involved in this, I mean, I'm working on this door and I, I'm one of these people that I'd rather be finished than perfect. I'm not a finisher. And my friend Peter is obnoxiously a finisher. Everything has to be perfect. And when we're working together, it's like, well, there's Nancy's way and there's Peter's way. But I always admired the position that Peter would take if it's got to be perfect. But I don't have, I didn't have the time there. I didn't have the inclination. But this door, I'm taking more time on the detail of this door than I have ever taken in any on anything and I questioned that I'm going like why why am I putting all this detail in because the fact of the matter is is that I'm living in a house that started out as a farmhouse 80 at least 80 years ago and maybe hundred years ago it was a farmhouse a tiny little farmhouse and over the years people have built onto it now the weird thing is is that there was this tremendous uh, concrete uh, slab very big for the house that was originally here so I know that because of the flooding and because the house is so old it's still in great condition but it's old you know if I leave this part this is probably going to be just taken down so why in the God's name am I spending so much time building something that will last another hundred years and I'm not exaggerating on this porch. It's gotten out of hand. <laughs> but I'm having so much fun. It indicates to me that in a very subtle way, and this is what I'm trying to get to, is that we might have subtle changes that are essentially a timeline change, but but you're not picking up on them. But in my case, you know, I, I'm kind of used to doing this thing, so it's intriguing to me. And I think that what's happening is that I really feel like we have a future again. You know, I want to build something for the future because we have a future. And if I was to say there's been a, a real change, I think it's fundamentally at that level because that wasn't something that happened in my head. It was something I began to need to do, needed to express. Does that make sense? Yep, to me it does. Yeah. Wonder what it means. So tell me about the delivery with the angel. Oh, <laughs> okay. So last Friday they were supposed to deliver the landscaping timber, forty-five pieces. It's a it's on a pallet, uh, and they're eight feet long. Um, so they were supposed to deliver it on Friday, and then Friday at ten thirty they send me an email that they've canceled the order and it won't come until Tuesday. And they gave me some hogwash reason for it. But I'm thinking, there's a lot of days between Friday and Tuesday. Why is it taking so long? But, you know, I figured, all right, whatever. So 
now it's Tuesday, and Tuesday is uh, radio day. I have a noon to two show. And, you know, their their window is, oh, from 7.30 to 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> okay. You know, this is this is interesting. But they sent me an email and said it would be from 7.30 to 11.30. So at 7.30 in the morning, I wake up and I, I just was like, oh, God. I need I, 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 I've had problems with Home Depot claiming they were at my house. They weren't that I was in the yard, never saw the truck trying to deliver. This was years ago. So I have angst about Home Depot. So I get up, I get all dressed, and then I lay down on the couch because I want to be ready when this guy shows up. So the guy find well, he actually called me, um I think it was around nine thirty ish. And yeah, quarter past nine I think it was. And he said um, that he would be there in about 30, 35 minutes. And I'm like, oh, cool. All right. This is actually, I'm, I'm actually got somebody that's communicating with me. Nice. So he gets there in about 25 minutes. And off jumps this guy, handsome black man, just really handsome. But it wasn't physically what I was looking at it was this energy bubble of just just the kind of people that you really want to be around and I, so I said to him I said how long have you been working for them and he he stops and he says actually it's two months and 12 days I was a long distance driver and my wife made me stop she didn't want me gone all that time and uh, I said to and he had this big old Oh, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a, a forklift. I guess yeah, it is a forklift. It's got wheels on it, and it's got the one in the back. There's only one in the back. And this thing can spin around and do all sorts of things, and it was a big one. And it's on the back of the truck, and he lowers it down. He gets, he gets, he gets in it, and then he lowers it down. But what they had done is that they had taken my pile, my pallet, and put it under another pallet that had railroad ties on it and i'm talking about three deep this this pallet was three deep and it had to have had three piles of this stuff it was huge and it's on top of mine and he said i don't know they know that yours is the first stop i'm making i don't know why they would have done that and and so we got into a little bit of you know well i don't care it's your job get you figure it out and by God, he had to take both of them down and get off the first one off. And it was like, I was really calling in the angels. I said, I don't know who's out there to help here, but this is really getting to be a weird thing, you know. But he was just he kept at it and kept at it. And he finally got him apart. And he drove the pile all the way down to the front of the house because I've got a long driveway. But he did. He, he drove it down there and he and he lowered it exactly where, where I wanted it. And... Uh, the feeling I got from this guy was like, I wanted to give him a hug. And I know he was feeling the same thing about me. It's like, maybe on this new timeline, things are happening that are more focused on somebody's spiritual development than before. There's something about this, because when I when I was talking to him, it's like, 
I actually gave him a twenty dollar bill and I said, "Let me buy you lunch." And he was just, "Well, thank you for that," you know. And he, it was just, just. As, and I said to him when he left, I said, "Thank your wife for making you change your job," but it felt like I was supposed to connect with him. He was supposed to connect with me, and that the delay in the delivery really didn't affect the building of the of the porch but it did it got him on the schedule to be here so that we could have just this very very simple exchange of two people that just really appreciated the other person and again i think it's an indicator of it was an indicator to me of something so then i thought about jose and it's like jose's had a lot of bad luck he's he's I'm not even going to get into it, but he's been forced through weird circumstances to spend a tremendous number of days on this property. And I'm just wondering if it wasn't all orchestrated for him to go through some kind of a spiritual change simply because of the energies on the on the property. I mean, it's full of shungite. Um, so you might want to look at things around you in a different way and see if you don't see these subtleties of the changes that I think we really are going through and that we do have a future. If I'm building a porch, it's going to act like a safe room. Uh, yeah, something's happening out there. Over to you guys. When you said that uh, an angel delivered your stuff up, that was no surprise to me whatsoever. I just sat here laughing. In thanking God for your experience doing this, because uh, it has proven to the people who have been listening to your story about the porch, you live in on miraculous land in a miraculous spot on the earth, and so now I call it Nancy's Wonderland. Thanks for sharing it with us. Well, we had a, he and I had an interesting conversation about it because he was just like, wow, I can't believe you've got this property. And, so, and then I told him because it really was a, uh, was a plantation that was, it, the inheritance made it break up into long, narrow uh, uh, lots, but they're acres. So you can't build another house on it because it's one lot, even though it's an acre. And you have to have a, a second entry to it to be able to build on it. So nobody's been able to build in this area. So it's like living in a park that was, like I say, originally a plantation. And I was thinking about that, too, because, yes, there are a whole bunch of weird things happened that made me get the property. But what I forget to tell people is that what they're seeing is you know, 38 years of letting the property grow. When I got there, there were about four oak trees, big oak trees, uh, a small area of pine, Australian pine, a couple of Ponciana trees, and the rest of it was sand. Sand. And now it's like, People tell me that I live on a vacant lot because they can't see it from Google Earth. <laughs> you know, it just isn't there in Google Earth because there's so much trees, you can't see the house. So, yeah, and, and I could honestly say to him, yeah, God wanted me to be here to take care of this property. 
And but is your picture on the your picture on Google Earth? Is it still the picture from before the hurricane? Because I remember you there. You still you 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 still have um, what do you call it, Stephanie in your life when you when you had that uh, uh, hurricane and it removed so much vegetation from from the property, whereas before it was even more filled. So is the photo in Google Earth? I don't present? know. I don't oh. know. But I had a uh, a situation where I was asking for reimbursement because they, when they were doing work in the road, they dug up my pipe, my my plumbing pipe, and caused me to have problems with the sand in the pipe. And I was trying to get reimbursed for the plumbing costs from this company, and they came back to me, and this snooty woman says to me. We see that your pl the address you're giving is a vacant lot. And I said, oh, really? I said, uh, I've lived here for 38 years. I wonder what the problem is. Could you be looking at Google Earth? Uh, well, yes. And I said, well, why don't you look again? Only this time, look carefully. And a few minutes later, she came back and she said, oh, yeah, there does seem to be a house there. I said, well, I sure hope so. <laughs> you know? And uh, they actually paid it. They they paid the check. But uh, so I don't know if it's the same picture or not because I would think the house would be visible. But then again, I don't look down at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because some, sometimes when you're looking at Google Earth, it 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 varies because I notice that the database in Google Earth is different from the database that they use for Google Streets. And I don't, I, I don't remember which one is more recent, but I noticed, for example, when you're looking at Google Streets, sometimes you get to see certain, uh, either you see a car or there's a sign or, or something as, as something, you know, to rep representing that a particular block or a street. And then you're looking at, you're looking at it today and it's not whatever it was, it, it's not there anymore. So sometimes I, I get confused. I don't know which ones which one is more recent when it comes to pictures. I don't know. I, I don't. Mm. Yasmin has something that I want to read. I have thought a lot no, I have a thought about all these timeline shifts. Perhaps they are related to all the manifestations that are occurring. I'm thinking as people imagine a better reality, it's not possible to manifest that without a timeline shift. I took some edibles this last weekend and was watching a show on the double slit experiment and how the wave of probabilities collapses as soon as there is an observer. It was... Then it occurred to me that was the key to the manifestation process. So as soon as we, the observers, select a probability that is contained in the wave, it collapses it. At the same time, we have to shift to a different timeline because all those other probabilities are no longer possible. Don't know, it could just have also been drug-induced ramblings. Ha-ha. 
That's an interesting thought. You're waking up to the possibilities. Yeah. Reality is not as fixed as you think it is. <laughs> Very interesting. And every time you think you've gotten to a point of understanding it, because you got to that understanding, it morphs. Well, it this, changes. this is like, uh, for example, when Andrew Bartz's explained the plan, it was done uh, on purpose, where in the Middle Ages in Europe, they went around, if you pay, he says that if you pay attention to the old town, the old medieval towns, they, it was very interesting that the first thing they would do at the center of town would be a clock. You would wonder about that. Why, why would, you know, of all the things that you could have in the center of town, why is it everybody takes it for granted, nobody questions it, there's always a clock there. And he says, if you also pay attention, chances are the clock is standing on a ley line. So they were, they were doing it on purpose. They were parking these timepieces on the ley lines so that they could standardize all the time so that in a, if, you, if you're looking at the time in a specific uh, country, they're all agreeing on the same time. And they did it on purpose because time is not supposed to be fixed like that. Just because it's uh, 4 o'clock in this particular town, it doesn't mean that it's going to be 4 o'clock in every single town in that country. But they did that on purpose because it was part of the control mechanism. It was part of the cabal control on this world. We're not supposed to have fixed, standardized time. And, and it's not going to create a chaos or a mess if you do, if if you do have changes, it you deal with it because that the time is not that critical. So just let's say you have this group of people on, and one of their hours lasts like five hours, because you know that's the way they like it. That's the way that it works for them. Who knows? Maybe in other places where it's incredibly cold, they don't like it when the time is so slow, and they like it when things go fast. So. Uh, this this business of of uh, fixing time that is the same everywhere, uh, given the the differences in in latitude, obviously, uh, it's not supposed to be fixed like that. Time is supposed to be fluid. It's there's nothing there's nothing that says it's even permanent. Uh, I saw the the documentary that you remember when you gave us the documentary to where they were talking about the um, the chronovisor. The technology to look into the past, and uh, there's that interview where you have the German scientist, and he says it to the camera. There's no such thing as time. It's just an agreement. It's a construct. But there is nothing. There's there's nothing that you can put into a box and say, okay, this is time. No, you can't measure it. You can't. You know, you you can do things that works around. That you say, okay, this. The movement of this from this to this, this represents uh, an hour, for example. But it's just movement. It's not something that you can grab it and use it. So it, that was very, I, I really liked that video because finally somebody who's saying what I've been saying for what I've been feeling for the longest time, there's no such thing as time. <laughs> well, one of the indicators is, is that time... Derek does more in a day than I do in a week. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only slightly exaggerating. 
I mean, you know, it's like, what'd you do today? And by the time he's halfway through, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. I need to take a nap. <laughs> you know, and I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about fairly big things. So well, it makes perfect sense because he's a generator. That's his job. You're not a generator. You can't do what he does. And it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with what you are. <laughs> he just amazes me. <laughs> yeah. I can't even, I mean, it's just, well, the fact that he can drive as far as he drives when he goes on these trips. Uh, I don't know how anybody can drive like that. I suppose truck drivers, but he's not a truck driver. He does this every few months, you know. And it's just like, I've gone through a whole day, and he's still in the car driving. <laughs> I've had three meals, I've, I've watched television, I've done radio shows, and he's still in that car. It's just... That's insane. the beauty of generators, because generators regenerate. So, and, that's, and, and, and it's normal for him. Now, if I tried to do that, I'd be all dead already. I, I can't do that. I don't know. I don't have a defined. Uh, I don't have a defined uh, sacral center. So. Well, you know, it, it, you and I were the ones that put together the cosmic reality, shungite store, everything about it. You know, but then he shows up and he replaced us both, Walt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like. Okay, I got this. No need for you guys to participate anymore. I got this. Um, and I'm good with that. I don't know how you feel, but I'm good with that. That's, a, that's our job. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to guide the energies of others. We're not supposed to be doing this stuff. That's not, I mean, we turn into uh, slaves because we, nobody will listen without being invited to do something, to give the, the guidance. They won't listen to what we have to say, even though we have the answer to, for, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to organize or whatever it is they're trying to get done. Uh, so we end up doing it ourselves because nobody will listen to what we have to say. So that we end up being slaves that way. But our job is to guide the energy of others. It's like, uh, it, for example, one of the examples Raruhu gave is, let's say, okay, Let's say, okay, they want this particular civilization, they want to build a temple here. Okay, so the projector will come, he will take measurements, he will figure out the best place for this temple, what materials to use, what size it should be, all the details. And then he'll give all the information to the generators and they'll come and build the temple. But it's not his job to build the temple. That's for the generators, because they have the energy to be able to get all the materials together, put them all together, and eventually you have a finished temple. And, and, that's, and that's fine. I, I really don't, I don't, I, I don't have the energy to spend 10 hours building something. That's not my job. I'm, I'm, I will tell you the best way to build it and what's the best materials to use and which way it should be facing, all the details to make it as perfect as possible. But it's not my job to build it. <laughs> so. See, I build them. You can plan. <laughs> it's it's like I've got to bring Jose over here and 
I don't even know how to tell him but, that I'm gonna but, make I'm gonna make him take what? You're guiding what he, he's not doing things willy nilly. He's following your lead, correct? Well, yeah, but I didn't. I must have given him a bad lead because I got. <laughs> I, I'm gonna make him take all the windows out because he did something that structurally I questioned, but I should have focused on it. And it, you know, it's like, no, we have to fix this structural problem. I don't know why he did it. But again, a lot of what I'm seeing now is I'm trying to stand outside of it, is that all of these screw-ups isn't something that he would ne necessarily naturally do. They're here to keep him on the property because he's, he must be healing. I can't imagine being on this property and not going through. I've seen people walk in the gate and before they're halfway to the house they're stoned on their asses <laughs> the energies are just like oh my god that where am i what am i doing oh lord you know um so it's uh you know but it needs to be addressed and it's an easy fix it's just you know and and the thing of it is is that i'm the person that would say i'd rather be done than perfect no i want this perfect because we're we're building a perfect future, and they're going to have a. Big also, well, everybody, he, you, everybody needs practice in this business of, of building because it's everyone's job. We are all involved in this building. Now that we're given the chance, now that we're giving the opportunity, okay, what reality do you want? Make up your mind. What do you want? Okay, now it's the time to actually sit down, think about it. Okay, what do I want the reality to be? How do I want it to be? How do I want to feel when I play this reality? And then sit down and decide. Because before, if you think about it, in the old reality, it wasn't what I could do, but what, okay, what can I, what can I afford? <laughs> How can I do it cheaper and faster? It's like we never did what we wanted. We we did what we could because the old reality didn't care about us. You know, it, it, it was always, it was whatever was better for them, not for what, for us. Like for case in point, for example, all the electrical system being outside, all that wiring hanging over the streets. It's not supposed to be that way. The wiring is supposed to be buried. That way we're not being bombarded by EMF. No, it's being done for their benefit, not ours. So that's what's changing. Now we're doing it our way, the way, the correct way, the way it should be done. The way we, it would be that when you look at it, you say, oh, this is so good. This is so nice. I really like this. Before, it was never like that. Before is, okay, we'll do it the way, the way we can do it fast, how we can do it cheap. How we can do it? It's like whatever it was doing, whatever we could, not what we wanted to do, not what we should do. So we have to get used to that. It's a little bit of a learning curve, but we have to get used to this. Okay, now I'm getting. I get a chance to make the reality that I want, not the reality that somebody else wants. <laughs> we have to get used to it. When 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 did we do it before? Never. They never let us do that. Well, I just want every experience in the new reality to be as 
wonderful as the delivery of the Home Depot. There you have it. <laughs> that guy, which, I mean, it was just such a special, two strangers coming together, having a real connection, and he, I'll probably, I'm sure I'll never see him again, he'll probably never see me again, but that is the foundation for the next time you meet some stranger. You know, it's just, it's contagious. Yeah. And not accidental. And you know, not, it, it happened exactly when it happened. When it, even the fact that the that the wood was in the right, the wrong order. Well, it was meant to be because whatever something, both of you had to learn something from that. That's all that mattered. Yep. And I'm so grateful to his wife, and I didn't even meet her. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dolly. Hmm. Anything happening in chat? Um, well, internet is talking about uh, stress and sleepiness and, and, but yet she still wakes up between 6 and 7 a.m. without a problem. That's, let me see, that's all since Yasmin said her thing. <clears throat> Thank you, Yasmin. That's that's always good. Yes, I love feedback. I love yeah. input. Absolutely. No, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with drug-induced thinking. <laughs> it just, you know, gives you a different perspective is all. Not every drug. But, you know, every once in a while you should just look at it from a totally different perspective. Yep. Drinking is going down. Alcohol use is going down. I heard that on, I think it was Fox last night. Was it Tucker? I don't know, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah. They're all doing, they're all doing marijuana and other things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Oh God! I don't well, marijuana isn't poisoning your your brain like alcohol. Well, the problem, Walt, is that the marijuana that, like, I grew up with, has been replaced by this high potency marijuana that is really screwing up people. Oh, young people with with their brains that haven't been completely developed. No, it's not a. I mean, I was pro you know, making it legal, but now I'm not. Um, we have to do a lot of learning before people can understand why you might use marijuana or, or another, you know, LSD, some of the hallucinogenics out. Why would you use it? Well, because it gives you a different perspective on, in quotes, reality. And, you know, if, if there's some people who had the mission of going out there, experiencing that different view of reality, and then telling people about it. There's a lot of people that, that took their LSD trips and then came back and, you know, explained the changes. Because once you've seen it, you don't forget it. And Why, it's a, oh, sorry, is that uh, I'm remembering that you were in the armed forces and that uh, were you previate us to what was going on why is it that the soldiers that participated in the lsd experiments why they committed suicide 
Was what did was that ever found out or was that ever told? What was I know, I know that they experimented on a lot of different people, but I don't remember there being a tremendous number of suicides. Wow. There there the the one that is um there is one that was a suicide, but he and but he he was being given LSD and he didn't know he was being given a hallucinogenic. He didn't know anything about it. They were secretly giving it to him, and of course, and it, it he, all of a sudden reality had changed though, and he couldn't imagine why. And that's the one I'm thinking of. The only one I know of, Walt. So there might have been others that I haven't heard of, but that's the, the one. Remember. The one I'm mentioning is because it was a subject. I know that it's a it's a movie, but like there's always some some truth to the, um, the story behind the the movie. Uh, in that movie, the men who stare at goats. You remember the they did that movie where there there was this guy who was uh, uh, working. How, how somehow he was involved with the with the with the uh, with the government, like for example, at the beginning of the movie, he's driving in the middle of a desert, and he's like he keeps uh, looking at the clouds because he's cloud busting. He's you know getting rid of the clouds, and in the middle of the desert, nothing. There's no you. All there is is the road. He hits a rock. He, he he crashes the car, the only rock in the middle of a desert. <laughs> it's kind of funny, the things that they they got involved. But that was the uh, that was the thing is that they went to this place, and uh, in in the in the middle of nowhere, and they uh, they were uh, uh, there were one two I think it was either three soldiers. One of them was the son of a colonel, I think. Uh, something weird was happening. They would take all their clothing. They were completely naked, and then they would they would pick up a con and then they would kill themselves. It was the, the weirdest thing. And this this got the oh the uh, the character played by uh, um, what was the name of the act? This actor he's been in so many films. Um, his the name of his character was Tracy something. And uh, he kept talking about uh, doing this experiment where he could actually walk through a wall. But uh, I always remember that part of the movie where the soldiers that committed suicide, they all were in that uh, experimenting with uh, LSD. That's that's why I wanted to ask you, because I know it's a movie, but all, all movies are based on some kind of truth. So I wondered what you know, what you knew about my, it. My experiments or experiments. George yeah. Clooney, that's the actor that played in yeah. the role. Good. Um, my experience with the uh, with LSD is that I was very careful not to do any kind of tripping with certain people because. What it does is that the LSD is almost chemically exact to serotonin. Now, the RAF cells in the brain put out the serotonin, and the LSD confuses the RAF cells, so they think there's a lot of uh, serotonin in the brain, and they stop producing it. 
So when you start tripping, you're really tripping because the serotonin has left your brain. And you're essentially in the same chemical mindset of deep sleep, but you're awake. And so you're, uh, through a chemistry, given the perspective of the dream state. Only it's not the dream state that is naturally produced in the brain where the brain is, you know, looking at it. it sometimes it doesn't look anywhere near like what, what I see. I don't really dream. I don't remember my dreams. Let me put it to you this way. Um, but when you're doing the LSD, it's the, everything about the atmosphere, the plants, everything is so far different and the reason and it's, it's it's vibrant the colors are astounding you know they say hallucination hallucination it's because your brain is so unconstricted that if you see the color red virtually every single hue of red can just simply be manifested in the picture it's it's completely malleable environment and if you don't have a brain that is comfortable with itself, if you're fearful, if you've got insecurities, you can end up in a very bad trip because it's like being in a nightmare. So I was careful not to get around people like that. Um, I was very careful of who was around me when, when I would ever take it. But, you know, it, it, it's, just a, it's just a different reality. But it's it's more of a reality because every time, every time I would take it, I would go back to that same reality. Nothing ever changed. I mean, the cir circumstances did, but the feeling, the uh, the connectedness to nature, the 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 energies. You're so much aware of energies. There's tremendous telepathy. You hardly have to say anything or don't if you really get into LSD it's all telepathy you don't have to have any you what know about, you what happens when the effect is over don't you crash terribly no no not at all there is no crash mm. it's it's simply that everything sort of like goes back to that I mean it, it, it it's so natural that when you are coming down from the trip what you're coming down into is not natural. The 3D is not where you really feel like you're comfortable. So yeah, you'd like to take some more to go back there, but not because you need to go back there. It's just that the 3D is slow and nasty a lot. Whereas that place, you're free-flowing, your thoughts are free. I mean, it's a wonderful place. I don't recommend anybody taking any kind of hallucinogenics because honestly, you don't have any guarantee of what you're getting. I would not take it. I don't care who gave it to me. I would not take it. It's a different ball game. I was there when, you know, it was a brand new thing. I know some of the people that, you know, were making the first MDA chemistry ever. It was, it, but it was all pure. I mean, there was no intent to hurt anybody. It was kept very pure. And, but that didn't last too many years before they realized, oh, look at all these kids having this amazing 
apparently aware awakening. You know, we better get a handle on this. And they started using it for other reasons. But I've never heard of... Um, if those people, if there were people that went on LSD and committed suicide, it's because their psychological makeup was there to begin with. Is that, mm -hmm. I guess, what my answer is to that question? In Makes my sense. experience, makes sense because you're you're opening the door to something that that you have very little that you don't you, you don't have a handle on yourself. So something else is controlling you, and it <laughs> makes perfect sense. Oh, if you get if you're shutting off all the individuals, then everything's coming to the surface, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And also, if you if if you're on a trip and just things start to go south for you, it's very difficult to deal with that. You know, you just got into a car wreck and you're on LSD. It's not a good place to be. Um, so you know, to me, it's like. No, if if you're going to do any kind, and I'm telling you, don't do it. But I was very careful that I wasn't going to go anywhere. It was a contained place for a contained amount of time. Every once in a while, that situation would change drastically. And then the trips were just like, whoa, where are we going? One time, um, some people came over and they wanted to trip. And I said, okay, so... Um, we start tripping, and then they decided they wanted to take a plane ride. <laughs> and the guy, one of the guys that was there, was actually a, a pilot for Eastern Airlines. And well, he wasn't a pilot; he he, he flew, but he was uh, in the job he had was like the radio man or something like that. But anyway, he, um, we ended up getting on a commercial plane and flying to Puerto Rico getting in a taxi, driving around, almost getting mugged. Oh, it was a hell of a good time. <laughs> and then we got on the same plane. But when we got on the same plane, and tripping on LSD the whole time, when we got on the same plane, three of the people that had flown over with us wouldn't get back on the plane. And this one guy, the guy that had bought the tickets, he just put up, pulled out his credit card and bought these tickets, he had to go back to go to work the next day. And I wasn't going to let him fly alone because these people thought the plane was going to crash. They weren't going to get back on it. But I got on it and he got on it and we got home fine. And they got home fine. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, they, I've been on some really wild <laughs> experiences. Um, with I'll tell you one. What, we're on, this is uh, cosmic reality. Okay, so remember, reality sci-fi. I was taking this LSD, and it was given to me by Pete the, the sailor, who I met for about two weeks, and I somebody asked me for LSD. I said, Pete, do you know where there's any LSD? I wasn't really interested in it, but they were a friend. Yes, he says, and he gives it to me, and he, he woke me up. I would been working nights. Uh, at the, you know, at a cocktail private club place. And he wakes me up, it's about 11 o'clock, and I open up the door and he says, here, I think this is what you're looking for. And he handed me a baggie that was full of these tiny little pills about the size of nitroglycerin that was LSD 25 plus. I don't know what the heck it was, but it was definitely from the guides or the, or the ETs or something because I've never seen this or heard of this stuff before or since. 
And if you, little tiny pill, if you took it and you chipped off just a piece of it, like a little tiny slice, you'd have the, a trip of your life. It was amazing. So there was over 100 pills in there. And uh, so for the next year, I was on LSD, morning, noon, and night. I just kept chipping at it. And it was the most fabulous uh, year of my life because I could just think of something and it would manifest. It's like the trip over to Puerto Rico. I said to people I was working with, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. I'm going on some kind of a trip. What kind of a trip? I have no idea. I just know I'm going on a trip. <laughs> and I did. You know, but things like that, it was it was it was tremendously mystical. But when I the first time I ever took it, I um, everybody else kind of passed out. And I said, this is too much fun. So I took some more because I had 100 pills of it. I didn't even know at that time that you could get six people off of one pill. So I'm like, you know, dropping a load of it. One little teeny pill, but it was a load of it. And. I'm in there by myself, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was in a closet, and I couldn't move. And then it was like one wall turned around like, you know, a turnstile thing that you do. And all of a sudden, I was into some places totally different. And it kept doing this and doing this until I, w I stopped, and it was an abrupt stop, and none of the walls were doing this turning thing. But I, up I looked up, and there was a, 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 a trap door. And I just put my hand up, and not only did the door open, but all of a sudden I just sort of levitated, and I was up now out of this room. And I'm in a, a, a valley, and it's all yellows and golds, and it was just absolutely amazing. But I, I didn't know where I was or what I, where what was happening. And then all of a sudden I, I'm turning, I'm looking around, I see this guy standing there. And he's standing in front of a picket gate, a white picket gate. And he just sort of opens the gate, and so I walk towards the gate. That's only a gate, and I walk in. And as soon as I walk through that gate, all of a sudden, the, everything changed. It was still the the goals and stuff, but it changed, and there was this bleacher in front of me, and it was full of all these people in white garbs. And there was a chair. It was a folding chair, metal, I believe. And it was right in the middle, you know, in front of them. And I, they had me sit down, and so I'm looking at these people. And they proceeded to answer every conceivable question I had ever had in my life. And then I didn't have any more questions, and so the session ended. And this guy that's uh, dressed in white and has a white beard and pretty damn ham to answer him, um, he's walking me back to the picket gate. And he says to me, now, there's just one. He says, so you don't have any more questions? I said, no. And he said, because uh, there is a kind of a, a, a you know, a twist to this story, because as soon as you go through back through the gate, you're not going to remember what the answers were. You have to go back and live your life and have experiences, make a recall. It's called a, 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 an impact thought. And something will make you think of being here and getting the answer that you asked for. But you can't just recall what the answers are. And so um, I went back through the gate, and as soon as I did, I was like, whoa, 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 back through all those different rooms and stuff. And um, only later did I find out that where I had gone was the land of the golden light, and that that was the White Brotherhood. And the guy that had opened the gate and talked to me was Saint Germain. So mm -hmm. that's just a little story from LSD. 
So yeah, they'll take you places that you, uh, you know, you wouldn't wouldn't understand if you couldn't say, oh yeah, but I'm tripping on acid. Oh thank God, I'm tripping on acid. I can come down from this. <laughs> we'll be all right. <laughs> it's just happening. It's another part of reality. <laughs> so, was that too much information? No, we want to know part two. We want what? We want to know part two. Part two? Oh, yeah. Part two. <laughs> I, I could go on for, I should write a book. I want to write a book called, I've been stoned so long it looks like straight to me. <laughs> yeah. But, so Dolly, did we get through your list? Yep, we did. Any comments you want to make? I took two marijuana trips. First one was the best sex I ever had in my life. <laughs> the second one was a very bad trip, and Stan had to stay with me the whole time. He held me the whole time. It was so bad. <laughs> but I never, I, I, it made me so I'm not interested in any kind of drugs anymore well that's the thing is that I, what what i was taught is you don't need the drugs the drugs are an excuse to have the experience but you, it's absolutely not required that you take a drug to be able to have those experiences but if you don't know you can have those experiences then they used a whole generation to give them a, a sample of what they're really capable of doing I'm, that's what i'm saying is that when you're on LSD, your psychic powers are there. And people that don't, oh, you were just tripping. No, yeah, I was tripping, but I was talking to the ancestors. I was tripping, but I was on an ET ship. You know, I mean, it was. it's like it opened up our, our imaginations to what could be, huh. in my opinion. So you should thank me. If I didn't hadn't done that, I wouldn't be able to do the things I do now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I sacrificed myself. Yeah, I had a lot of good times doing it. It sounded like you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've said this before. I've got, you know, I wouldn't change this lifetime for any lifetime, any place, any time. I just, this has been such a fun lifetime. It's, you know, ups and downs, but the ups and downs are part of life. It was just, you know. And now I figure now that I made the porch, I might have to live another hundred years, for God's sakes. The thing's going to stand for another hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the one who says you enjoy this life. I do. I Better do. you than me. <laughs> uh -huh. You'll be back. Oh, I hope I don't think you're going anywhere for a while. No, I don't think so either since this, um, what we went through, Mandela back time travel whatever we've been through i don't think i'm going anywhere soon <sighs> but um i thank you all for being here tomorrow on radio 5g what am i doing i'm doing other i'm actually replaying um ani avadisian show from last week uh on radio 5g because they have a slightly different um group of people that listen to that and i'm also doing one on um Barry Tower, who is a—he's uh, ancient in the business of alternative information—with uh, Reiner uh, Fulmich, who is the lawyer who is bringing all these people to to court, basically. 
So it's going to be a good show. And the reason I bring in Ani's show in is that we need to have examples of how you should handle some of this insane stuff that they're talking about. Like in, in this case, uh, part, of this, part of it is uh, the transgender thing. So um, that's happening tomorrow. That's what I wanted to say, and I didn't. That shooting they had at the school, I'll say it real quick. They were bringing in the guns, they brought in religion, and they brought in uh, transgender. There was another thing they brought in. I think this was staged, and I think it was very evil to do that, to try to get rid of those three things I mentioned. Hmm. It's a very strange story. Yes. Walt, you want to say goodnight? Good night, everybody. It's been a pleasure being here with you. Have a super night. Take care. And Dolly? Good night, y'all. Good night. Be safe. Be blessed. And we'll see you next time. Love y'all. Bob Blankets, everybody. You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. Produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Choose your heart.